Take your copy of God's Word, if you would, and be finding Ephesians 5. You know, it's not every day I get to preach with snakes and wolves and armadillos and all this. It's kind of fun. I want to say thank you to those who prepare for these. I especially appreciate my wife and her work in leading and the decorating. A lot of hours went in to prepare and just to see the kids' faces. As they, I was downstairs walk, as they were walking into Sunday school, some of them... I coming into the hallway with the desert evening with the stars shining above. So it's a wonderful thing to watch that excitement on their faces as we get into Bible school. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Have you noticed that life has gotten a lot more complicated in a lot of areas? Someone went through and they wrote out the choices that you'll find at a typical American supermarket or a big box store. And they made this list, Crest Toothpaste, 27 varieties, Campbell's Condensed Soup, 53 varieties, Tropicana Pure Premium Orange Juice, 8 sizes from 8 to 128 ounces, Breyer's Ice Cream or Frozen Dairy Dessert, you have natural French, half the fat, no sugar added, extra creamy, homemade, lactose-free, carb smart, and that's just for vanilla. Tide Laundry Detergent, Original Scent, Plus Febreze, Plus Febreze Sport, Free and Gentle, Plus Bleach Alternative, Cold Water, Clean Breeze, Mountain Spring, Plus Downy with Acti Life. Head and Shoulder Shampoo, Active Sport, Old Spice, Deep Clean, Hair Endurance, some of us need that, Refresh, Extra Strength for Men. Citrus Breeze, Ocean Lift, Dry Scalp Care with Almond Oil, Classic Clean, Sensitive Scalp Care, uh, Itchy Scalp with Eucalyptus, Smooth and Silky, Extra Volume, Green Apple, Damage Rescue, Extra Strength, Clinical Strength, plus seven more not listed. That's just for head and shoulders. And life gets more and more complicated. The interesting thing is that list was made back in 2013 or 2014. Go try to buy light bulbs. Life is getting more and more complicated, it seems, in so many areas, not just the grocery store, but in so many areas. Life seems to be an endless list of choices and options, and many many of us are probably suffering from decision fatigue. After writing the message for this week, I got an email and someone said in the email that psychologists said that we make nearly 35,000 decisions a day. Nearly 35,000 decisions a day. It begins, as some of those are very um, you know, automated and we, we go through those uh, decisions without much thought, then there are those difficult decisions. I thought about the average high schooler today who's maybe a junior or a senior and the long list of colleges and majors and industries from which to choose and the choices that come at them, it's just mind-boggling. They're having to make those decisions much earlier than you and I had to make them, many of them, because they have to kind of orient their studies toward those things. We think about entertainment choices today. You know, I, I think about the days growing up where there was just AM and FM radio stations and then our own personal music collection Depending on what year we kind of grew up and what decade we were from, you know, we had AM and FM and maybe you had your vinyl records, they're coming back by the way, or maybe you had your 8-tracks 
or you had your cassette tapes and then your CDs and then you might could plug in your iPod and now you think about it, we can choose from millions of songs from streaming devices. We can literally just speak and tell it which song to sing and it does it. I thought how awesome that would have been if we were in high school if we could have done that. But life seems to be so complicated and it becomes more complicated by the second. Added to that is the fact that we have more information than we can ever digest. More information is produced on a daily basis than we could even read in a lifetime. And it continually repopulates over and over and over again. We have 24-hour news cycles. So what are we to do? How are we as Christians supposed to live in a sea of choices and a sea of opportunities? You know, last week we talked about the fact that we're supposed to walk in love, and we're supposed to walk in light. And we kind of unpack that here from the book of Ephesians. And today we add another way which we're to walk, and that is we're to walk carefully. Now, Ephesians talks about our walk, and a walk is a good picture of the Christian life. It means we're making progress. We're walking along. There's steady progress. And it's how we live our life. We walk in love. We walk in light. And then we're going to notice today that we're to walk carefully. We're to walk in wisdom. And really, the passage that we're studying today is a very practical one. One author that I read actually called this passage Christian Living 101. Christian Living 101. It deals with our choices. It deals with our time, how we spend our time. And by the way, the way that you spend your time is the way that you spend your life. And it also will deal with our relationships. We'll begin to see that some as we're studying this passage. And that will be fleshed out even more. Because if you've read ahead, if you remember, we're moving through the book of Ephesians. As we're getting through the fifth chapter, we're going to get to the point where we talk about marriage and parenting and work and all those things. Then we'll end up at the end with spiritual warfare. But right now, I want you, if you would, to notice the passage we're going to look at today. And I'll just be honest with you. We're not going to finish this today. Um, so this is going to be one of those two-part uh, messages. And so you'll get part one today, and we'll kind of leave off as we run out of time. And then we'll come back next week, God willing, and we'll finish out this particular passage. So I'll just tell you that up front. You've got to come back next week to get it all, all right? Or if you can't be here next week, if you're traveling, you can get it on the sermon podcast. Uh, but let's read this, Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to read it from two different translations just so you can hear it. In two ways. Remember that this is written originally in Greek. And so this is an English translation. So I want to read it in the New King James first. And then I want to read it in a more modern translation, the NLT. Alright? It's a shorter passage, so we have time to do that. Let me read it to you first of all in the New King James. You follow on your copy of God's Word. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another and the fear of God. Now, listen to it again from the NLT. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, you probably noticed as we read that passage that there were positives and there were negatives. There were things that we were not to do and things that we were or are to do. Uh, some of the negatives, don't be foolish, verses 15 and 17. Don't be drunk with wine, verse 18. And then the rest are positives. These are things that we're supposed to do. So I want to make a list of these positive things that we're to do. And so what I want to do is just kind of share four main things from this passage as we study these verses together. And we'll simply call them this, four instructions for making godly choices. Four instructions for making godly choices. You can begin using these today right away. You don't have to wait. You can begin using these this afternoon. And you can use these four instructions for the rest of your life. Because, you know, we've got a lot of choices to make. In fact, we, we talked about the fact psychologist says we make nearly 35,000 choices every day of our life. Personally, in our family, we're, we're looking at this next year, realizing this is going to be a year where there's going to be some major choices made. Our oldest is going to be a senior. And so you've got to start thinking about what comes next. He's got to start really making some choices and praying through that. Now, I'm making the assumption as we study today that you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, come to faith in Christ today. But I'm making the assumption that the majority of folks here are followers of Jesus and you want to make godly choices. I'm not going to try to convince you to make them. I'm going to make that assumption that you want to make godly choices, that you want to do what God wants you to do. That's how I'm going to present the message. And so if you don't want to make godly choices, you're going to be mighty bored probably this week and next week. But my prayer is that you want to do that. So how do we do this? Well, let's give you four things, four instructions here of making godly choices. Number one, are you ready for them? It says there, live carefully and wisely. Verse 15, live carefully and wisely. In verse 15, we're told to walk circumspectly. That's how the New King James says it. Walk circumspectly. That's not really a word that we use probably on a daily basis. I doubt anybody here this week has probably used the word circumspectly unless you were studying or reading Ephesians chapter 5. It means here, of course, to live carefully. Uh, to not live as fools, that is unwise, but as wise. To live carefully and wisely. In other words, circumspectly, looking all around to watch our step. We need to watch where we go and what we do. We're going to make godly choices. We've got to watch where we go and what we do. Now remember, we're talking about making choices that please the Lord, that are in line with His will. Do you ever think about the fact that we're just one, we're just one really dumb decision away from ruining our lives? You ever thought about that? We're just one really big dumb decision from ruining our lives. I think about David. In the Bible, David, you know, he is known as the man after God's own heart. And, and one day, David's walking on his rooftop. And um, do you think David got up that morning and he thought, you know what, I want to do something really stupid and ruin my life and my family. 
You think that's what he thought? I don't think so. Not for a, for a moment. But he got up one morning and went, you know, the rest are off there making war. And, and David's walking along and he spots Bathsheba. And he makes a really dumb decision. He sins. He commits adultery with her. And that led, of course, to a chain reaction of things in his life. It, re- it led ultimately to murder of her husband. And then really the ruination of his family in many regards. That one sin, that one misstep, started a chain reaction of misery in David's life. And beloved, we've got to remember that we are one really big, dumb decision away from ruining our testimony, our families, and our lives. We're in a battle, and we battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're in a spiritual battle, and we've got to watch our step. Why? Because there are landmines all around us. We're seeing that play out in our world. We're seeing that play out in our own convention. And so we've got to be very, very careful and walk carefully and wisely. We need to stay close to the Lord. We need to stay in the Bible. We need to stay on our knees in prayer. We need to be building ourselves up in wisdom so we can live not like fools throwing our lives away, but as wise people living life, investing our life uh, in those things that are going to outlive us, those things that are eternal, which kind of lays right into what the second thing, the second instruction for making godly choices is. And it's pretty simple. And by the way, these are all going to seem fairly simple on the surface. It's the living them out. And the second thing is this. We need to make the most of our time. Make the most of your time. So we're living carefully and with wisdom, wisely, but then we need to make the most of our time. Verse 16. Verse 16 in the New King James says to redeem the time. It's the idea of buying it back. The idea here is to make the most of our time. We're all given just a limited amount of time. And by the way, our lives are short. At the most, at the most, what, a hundred years or a little around there? At the most. And a lot of people reach that age that the life is, they're very limited in in their abilities. And even if you are a standout and you're you're better than everybody else and you can make it to 110, I want you to think about that in light of eternity. It's just a speck, it's just a dot. When you think about forever and ever and ever, our lives are short. But not only are our lives short, it says here in the Scripture, we're to redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. We live in a wicked world. Have you noticed that? And truthfully, with so many choices and so many ways to spend our time, we need wisdom to know what it is that God wants us to do with our time here on planet Earth. In reality, if we're going to make the most of our time, we've got to change our mindset. And we need an eternal mindset. We need to think of things in regards to eternity. To realize that this world is not all that there is. This is a preparation time for our next life as believers, our eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. To make the most of our time, we've got to invest in eternal things, things that are going to last forever. To, to, to invest in things that are not going to be left behind. To snatch up every opportunity for the Lord to make the most of our time, to live in such a a way that even our daily schedules reflect the fact that we are citizens of heaven. And let me tell you, this is a challenge because the world screams at us the exact opposite. Culture screams at us the exact opposite. Live for today, live for now, live for you. But that's not what the Bible teaches. We're to snatch up every opportunity, make the most of your time. 
Billy Graham did this. I found this article as I was preparing for today, and I found that Billy Graham took even time of preparation to honor God. In a book by the title Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham, Myra and Shelley wrote the following. The A. Larry Ross firm handled media and public relations for more than 23 years for the Graham organization. Ross said one of the distinctives of Mr. Graham's ministry has been his ability to make positive points for the gospel in any situation. You can ask Billy Graham how he gets his suits dry cleaned on the road and he'll turn it into a gospel witness. Quote, I cut my teeth in the corporate world before I work with Mr. Graham, says Ross. And I set up numerous media interviews. Almost always before a TV interview, they do a microphone check. And they ask the interviewee to say something, anything, so they can adjust the audio settings. Often a corporate executive for that check will count to ten, say their ABCs or recite what he had for breakfast. Mr. Graham would always quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should, shall not perish but have everlasting life. He wrote, when I asked Mr. Graham why he does that, he replied, and I quote, because that way, if I'm not able to communicate the gospel clearly during the interview, at least the cameraman will have heard it. Even the pre-interview time is focused on his overriding purpose, and that is getting out the gospel to people who so desperately need to hear it. See, that's what I'm talking about. Redeeming the time, snatching up the time for the Lord. Who would have thought of that? You know, just as a mic check, one, two, three, A, B, C, whatever. But Billy Graham used that opportunity to share the gospel to the, to the cameraman, to the audio people, to whoever was there to say John 3.16. How might this play out in your life? How might this play out in, in my life? How can we take some routine daily things that we do and redeem them, buy them back, make the most of that time for the Lord Jesus Christ? Could it be, beloved, that your daily commute, if you're still commuting, could that be turned into a daily time of prayer? Where you take that card, it's a mobile prayer room, if you will, and you're crying out... Now, I know you're right with some people and you pray anyway, but I'm talking about when you're driving, you're commuting to work or wherever, to school, and you take some time and you take and you, you take that time alone time and you turn the radio down, you turn all the noise off and you're praying to the Lord. Could, could shaving, fellas, in the morning as we're shaving, could we take that time to, to maybe go over a verse of Scripture we've got taped to our mirror and we're, we're memorizing Scripture as we're there trying to make ourselves look presentable and we're just rehearsing God's Word. you get the picture? We're taking those things that are mundane, those times that we might just go through, and we're beginning to redeem them. We're beginning to snatch them up for the Lord Jesus. We're beginning to grow in our faith and share the Gospel and, and do things to help us to make the most of our time. Because our time is so short. I'm reminded of that as I stand before you today as I look at, over this congregation as I think about over the almost 15 years that I've been here and how many funerals I've done and how many saints used to sit where you sit and they're no longer sitting there because they're in glory with the Father now. And that time is so short. And we're not promised tomorrow. In fact, the Scripture says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The book of James says, We ought to say, The Lord wills will do this or that. We don't boast in tomorrow, but we should plan and prepare and we should be... Um, Investing in eternity. 
And so if we're going to make godly choices, we've got to make the most of our time. And believe me, never have there been more things to waste our time than, than today. There are more time wasters. All these things that were supposed to save us time, literally a lot of them rob us of our time because we give them the wrong priority of life. Well, you've got the first two. You ready for the third one? I told you these are going to seem simple, but it's the living them out. And it's simply this. Follow God's will. Follow God's will. Verse 17. It says in verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the will of God. God has a will for your life. God has a will for my life. I want to walk you through that. We might say that there's three elements to God's will for our lives. The first element is the fact that He wants us to be saved. God wants us to be saved. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First Peter chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our God, of God our Savior. Listen, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is, it's God's will for you to be saved. Jesus Christ loved you. Jesus Christ died for you. He shed His precious blood for you. He took your sin upon Himself. He was buried. He rose again. And the Bible says if you'll trust Him, if you'll give your life, you'll trust Him, depend upon Him, turn from your sin, place your faith in Him, you will be saved. If you're going to make godly choices, it must start right there. You can't make godly choices if you're not godly, if you don't know God. And so salvation is the starting point. But here's where so many Christians go awry. They, they think, okay, I'm saved now. And I think, I'm afraid a lot of people think about it in regards to Monopoly. You know what? You play Monopoly? We don't play it often because it takes a long time to play Monopoly, it seems. But anyway, you play Monopoly and you're going around there and, and you, you land on those certain spots and you draw the card and it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, Right? And you hold that back so when you get sent to jail, you can use it. I'm afraid some people think that's what salvation is. Listen, salvation is not just to get out of hell card. It's a new life with Jesus Christ. That is, He is your Lord. He's your Savior. He puts your life in a new trajectory. And you have a new life in Christ as you follow Him, which brings us to the second element of God's will. And that is His revealed will for all believers. His revealed will for all believers. Where do we find that? In the Word of God. There are things that we are to do, things that we're not to do. We don't have to pray about these. You don't have to sit there and pray, Dear God, do you want me to lie to this person tomorrow? You don't have to pray about that. God's already said, I shall not bear a false witness. We see some of that revealed will here, do we not? It talks about don't be drunk with wine. Don't be foolish. There are things that are true for all of us as believers and the reality is a lot of people struggle knowing the third element because they're not practicing the second element. See, the third element is His personal will for your life. But a lot of people, they're not worried about the second element. They're saying, God, what do you want me to do? And God says, listen, I've already laid all these things out for you. You're not even doing this. And so we get in the Word and we begin to obey the Lord. And so here it says, don't be drunk with wine, verse 18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 18. And so that's God's will for every believer everywhere, all the time. At no point should we be drunk. That's what it says. So other Scriptures talk about that. We don't have to pray about that. God, should I go get drunk tonight? 
So let's pray about that. He's already revealed that to me. And so I need to be concerned with God's will. And a lot of the things that concern our lives, God has laid out in His Word. And we're to be obedient to those things. His revealed will for all believers. And it's clearly there in black and white. But a lot of times, we want to rush to the third element of God's will, and that is His personal will. And that is important. I want to talk to you about it for a few moments. But let me just stop before we do that and think about that second element. And that is, are there things that you know that God has told you in His Word to do and you're not doing them? To not obey is sin. So we need to obey God's Word in what He's revealed to us. So we are saved and we're seeking to grow and obey God. Then we come to this, what we might call the, God's personal will for our lives. And that is what God has for you personally that He wants you to do. The particular callings that He has for us and only for us at this time in history. I put down Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, talking about believers, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, watch this, for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has a will for your life personally. God has good works He wants you to do. In fact, it says not only does He want you to do them, He's prepared them beforehand that you would do them. So let me just speak from my own life because I can't speak from yours. So if you'll just bear patiently with me, I'm going to use myself as an example some today. For, for this moment in time, God's will for my life is to be Danielle's husband. It's to be Gideon and Gabe and Graham's dad. And it's to be Red Hill's pastor. Now, that's his will at this point in history, at this point in time, for me and no one else. If I die, Danielle may remarry. If I die, you're going to advertise and get another pastor. That's just the reality of it. And that's right. But at this point in time, at this point in history, God has this ordained for me. It could end tomorrow. It could end next week. It could end ten years from now. But that is His personal plan for me. And He has a plan for you as well. He has good works prepared for you to do. Think about your life. Think about your spouse, your children. You know you're a spouse. You know you're a parent. Think about the vocation God has called you or where you are in life, maybe in school right now. That is God's will for your life right now. At this moment in time, that could change. People die. We change locations. We change jobs. But at this point in life, that is God's personal plan for you. And it begins with obeying His revealed will in His Word. And then we begin and continue to seek His personal plan, His personal will for our lives. Now listen, we've already been reminded here that the days are evil. And so we need to make the most of our time redeeming the time by understanding and doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. Now, there is a fourth instruction, and we'll, we'll save it for next time because I want to give ample time to it, and I will give ample time to this because I'm not done talking about the will of God. But you need to take the time to examine your life and come to grips with what God has for you to do. And I'm just going to be honest with you. In the midst of so many choices... So many choices. We have to make some hard decisions. We have to make some decisions and decide with God's help what is 
and what is not important. We cannot do it all. We cannot have it all. I know people tell you, oh, you can have it all. You can do it all. No, you can't. Why? Because we're limited. We're limited in our energy, our resources, our time, our money. We're limited. We can't do it all. We can't have it all. And let's be honest, why would we want to do it all? What a life would that be to live breathlessly overwhelmed all the time trying to do it all and be all and have all. You know, there are those that they struggle with FOMO. Y'all know what FOMO is? F-O-M-O? The fear of missing out. Someone said we need to move from FOMO to JOMO. That is the joy of missing out. That is, we can't have it all, can't do it all. Don't need to be afraid of that. Just accept it and realize that we need to do what God has called us to do. So we've got to go to the Lord and we've got to, with His help, settle on some priorities for our lives. And these priorities will help us. And these priorities will be based upon the roles of our life. You have some roles that you fill in life that nobody else does. Again, because I can't share your story, let me share mine. So, when you look at these roles, and you think about the roles that God has given you to fill, then you begin to look at your priorities, then you can kind of start looking at exactly how you ought to spend your time. So as far as roles are concerned, this isn't original. I heard another preacher say this, and I liked it, and it fit my life. So that, that bullet fit in my gun, so I shoot it. Here are my roles. I'm a person. You say, well, we knew that. Well, that means that that is I have a personal responsibility to God. I'm a person. I'm responsible to God. I'm a child of God. I have to care for myself as a person. Then I'm a partner. That is, I'm married. I have a spouse. I'm a parent. I have children that I'm to parent. I'm their father. And then I'm a pastor. That is God's calling, His primary roles for my life at this time. You have roles as well. Think about your life. You're a person. I don't think anybody here is not a person. Everybody I see is a person. So you have a, you're a person. You have that personal responsibility. The relationship you have with God as a child of God. To care for your person. And that's vital. You may or may not be married. You may or may not have children. You might be in the grandparent stage as well. You might have different roles. You have roles. Don't, don't copy my list. It doesn't fit your life. But think about your roles that God has called you to fill. Nobody else can fill them but you at this point in history. That's your role. It's important that your role so that you can move on to realize your priorities and realize how you're to spend your time. For some of you, you're a student. And so you look at that and you say, well, okay, I'm a student. And that helps you understand how you should spend your time. Others, you're retired. Maybe you're volunteering. Whatever the case may be, you have roles that you fill. And here's what happens. You have these roles... And these, these roles lead to priorities and responsibilities that revolve around these roles. And so I look at my life and as a person, what is it that God has called me to do and be as a person? As a husband, what has God called me to do and be? We're going to study that later on in Ephesians. As a parent, what has God called me to be and do? As a pastor, what has God called me to be and do? And so my roles lead to responsibilities, which lead to priorities, which leads to the decision of how I spend my time. Does that make sense? The problem is it's a lot easier on paper to write that down than it is to live it out on Monday morning when the alarm's sounding again and you want to cuss and throw it out the window. 
But again, we've got limited resources, limited time, limited energy, limited money. We've got to make decisions. We can't do it all, can't have it all. God has not called us to. And so here's what we need to do. We need to go to the Lord and prayerfully ask Him to help us to make the right decisions. Lord, help me to set the priorities in my life. Help me to to spend my time the way You want me to. We need to make our to-do list. Any to-do list lovers out there? Any to-do list haters out there? Anybody anybody says, what's a to-do list? We need to take our to-do list that grows so long to the Lord and say, Lord, would You help me to know what should stay on this list? What should come off this list? What should be added to this list? In other words, understanding, as the Scripture says here, what the will of the Lord is. I want your approval, Lord, on how I'm going to spend my time. And don't get, the, don't get mistaken idea today that I'm up here saying that every moment should be filled with just prayer and Bible study. That's not reality. That's not God's calling on our life. We can meditate on the Scriptures. We can pray without ceasing. But we have to go to work and school and got to go to the garden and do all these things. And all that can fit within the will of God for your life. So how do we wrestle through that? Well, let me give you something real quick. And, and this isn't necessarily biblical. I can't take you to Scripture and verse, but I found it very helpful as I was studying, preparing for today. And that's the idea of thinking about is something glass, rubber, or metal? You say, you know, I, I was kind of tracking with you up to this point, and now we've kind of veered off, and I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Well, hang with me for a few minutes. Tim Sanders shares the following thoughts about establishing priorities. So I want you to think about your priorities in life. By the way, it's even interesting when we have priorities, plural. That wasn't always the case, but we, we speak in terms of priorities. He said, take your life and all the things that you think are important and then put them in one of these three categories. Are they glass? Are they rubber? Or are they metal? <laughs> he said, the things that are made of rubber, when you drop them, will bounce back. Nothing really happens when these kinds of things get dropped. He said, so for instance, and I enjoy sporting events, so don't take me wrong here. He writes, if I miss a Seahawks game, my life will bounce along real fine. It doesn't change anything and nothing is lost. My missing a game or a season of football will not alter my marriage or my spiritual life. I can take them or leave them. It's rubber. He says things that are made of metal, when they're dropped, they create a lot of noise. But you can recover from the drop. You miss a meeting at work, you can get the cliff notes. If you forget to balance your checkbook and lose track of how much you have in your account, the bank notifies you that you've been spending more than you have, that's going to create a little bit of noise in your life, but you can recover from it. But then there are the things made of glass. And when you drop one of these, it will shatter into pieces and never be the same. Even though you can piece it back together, it, is still, it will still be missing some pieces. It certainly won't look the same, and I doubt that you could actually fill it up with water because the consequences of it being broken will forever affect how it's used. Then he said this, the thing is, you're the only person who knows what those things are that you can't afford to drop. More than likely, they have a lot to do with your relationships, your marriage, your family, and your friends. 
That just kind of helped me to put things in perspective. As I'm considering all the options in life and all the things that I have in life and the things that I need to do and the priorities, where do they fall? Are they rubber? Well, you drop them, they bounce back. Are they metal? You drop them, make a lot of noise, and there's some time to... But we can, we can recover from that. But then there are those precious things that are glass. We dare not drop them. Because when we drop them and they break, they're forever altered. And they're hard to recover from. I think we need to spend more time on those things that are glass. Those things that are precious. Those things that are valuable. I wonder today, when it comes to your life, are you giving real thought to it? Now we've got a fourth one, we'll cover it next week, but we've got enough to to consider right now. Are you giving real thought to your life? Because what could happen so easily is we can just kind of drift and meander through life. Just let life take us where it will. But that's not how God designed us. That's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life for His honor, His glory. And you're not going to accidentally stumble into holiness. You're not going to accidentally stumble into a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just even go and say this, and, and, and I hope that you agree with me, but I don't think you're even going to accidentally stumble in a, an intimate relationship with your spouse or your kids. That takes intentionality. That takes time. That takes planning. That takes effort on your part. And so it's so important in the sea of choices that we have that we realize what's really important And we need to go to the Lord and His Word and follow the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide us and direct us and literally lay our lives down. Romans 12. Lay our lives down the altar and say, Lord, I'm Yours. I want my life to count for You. Help me to do what You want me to do. Use my time the way You want me to use it to to, to, to lead my family, to be involved in my family life, that friends, church, walking with You. Lord, there's so many things that I can just let go. But there's some things I dare never let go. You being the first in my relationship with you. Can we do this? Would you bow today? Just right where you are. Your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. I'm talking to Christians right now. Can I give you just a moment just to talk with the Lord and take a moment and look at your life Think about the roles that He's placed you in. What He's given to you. And would you allow the Holy Spirit just for a moment to really speak to your heart about what you're doing with what He's given you? Are you giving the time and the attention to those precious people in your life? Those relationships in your life? It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get misdirected. It's so easy to consider something that's rubber glass. Would you take a moment right where you are? Would you just pray to the Lord and ask Him to give you clarity, to give you direction, to give you wisdom? And maybe you even want to just, right where you are, just say, Lord, I just want to give you my life again. And I want my life to count for you. I don't know how many many more years you're going to give me, 
but I want to live them for you. I want to redeem the time. And I want to understand your will for my life. I'm going to be quiet and give you a moment for you to do business with the Lord. Father, we acknowledge today as Your Word declares that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, from You, whom there is no variableness nor change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank You, Lord, for providing salvation for us. Thank You, Lord, for Your revealed will found in Your Word. And then thank You, Lord, that You have good works prepared for us to do. Help us to do them. Father, You know that we struggle with so many choices and so many decisions at times. And sometimes we're not sure of the right path to take. Thank You that we can come to You Remembering that Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Knowing that the Holy Spirit resides within us and will fill us and guide us and direct us. Father, I'm confident that when we really want to know Your will, You will see to it that we know Your will for our life. But sometimes there's that waiting element that we sang about earlier. Help us not to run ahead of You. Help us not to lag behind, but to stay in step. Day by day, walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. Father, help us to treasure those great gifts You've given to us. We know that one day we're going to stand before You and give an account of our lives and we'll be rewarded or we'll suffer loss. We want to hear the words from your lips, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe the majority of those in this room, Lord, myself included, we really do want to do what you want us to do. We really do want to honor you for our lives. We really do want our lives to count for eternity. So help us to wisely and carefully and circumspectly follow your will for our lives. And maybe somebody here today is struggling and they're wrestling right now with what you would have them do. Lord, I pray for them that they would wait for direction, that you would just bless them and help them, that you would guide their steps and use them for your glory. We love you today. We praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. And precious name. Amen. Well, I only gave you three of the four. I'm hoping you'll come back next week and get number four. But you've got three. And you take these three and put them in use in your life this week. It'll make a tremendous difference. We want to sing in closing 532. A song by the title of Higher Ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand.
by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found or plant my feet on higher ground. We're not going to sing the optional ending, just the regular verses and chorus, but would you stand with me today? 532, higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound, Lord plant my feet on higher ground, Lord lift me Verse 4, I want to 